the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, Rob. I'm doing well. Thanks. Good to be back with you. Briefing's a great site. I was kind of excited this morning because I was at the gym yesterday and I saw Apple come out. I was like, ooh, they're moving higher. That'll carry the markets. And no, not so much. <laughs> the expectation of after-hour, after-market uh, performance doesn't always carry over to the next morning, does it? No, it doesn't. Um, and that's certainly with you know, respect to a company like Apple, where um, there was a whole lot of enthusiasm leading up to that earnings report. You know, Apple had a had a, a big run. It was up six percent in the last six sessions leading up to the report, and so um, so you could argue anyway that the the good news that was embedded in that report, and it was clearly good news, um, was already factored into the stock price. And so you're seeing things kind of roll back a little bit on uh, some profit taking following uh, what was expected out of that report. So let's put Apple aside because I think that's too company specific for a conversation with a grown man like yourself where we're talking where does the market go this year? It's it's really not it seems indecisive. I, I keep coming back to that fifty day moving average or above it or below it or above it or below it. We're not doing a lot, are we? No, we're not. Just kinda of chopping around inside that range and you know, it's Obviously, a little bit exciting last week with the uh, you know major indices, the Nasdaq and the S and P 500, anyway, establishing new record closing highs. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, you haven't put a whole lot of distance between where you ended 2014 and where you've gone this year. And you know, I think that really just kind of reflects the uh, a knowingness that you're trading at a pretty pretty decent valuation. I mean more full-size valuation, and you have uh, in the backdrop uh, the prospect of interest rates going up. Uh, and when those rates go up, you know, they're obviously going to continue to be at really low levels, but nonetheless, after a, a prolonged period like we've had at the zero bound, I think people are a little bit skittish at these valuation levels about how the market will ultimately react when the Fed does indeed eventually embark on that uh, tightening cycle. I talked to a bunch of wealthy investors late last week, and I, I, I mentioned something along the lines of skittish overvaluations. I mean, they're they're high on historical trading norms, but at the same time, I said, on the other hand, GDP is going to be okay this year, and if GDP is okay, then we've got a, an economy that's okay. If we've got an economy that's okay, then we're not doing mass layoffs, and we're slowly hiring people because people come to this country, and we need more health care, we need more everything. It's not. It's not even a paradox. It is what it is. We've got an okay economy, a tired stock market, hang tough. 
like I was trying to come up with a message for people of like, maybe take a look at your portfolios. Maybe now is the time to pick up some small cap if you're underexposed, or maybe some. It's it's a weird message because it's not sensational on the upside, and it's definitely not now is the time to sell, and it's also definitely not gloom and doom for me. Yeah, you know, and I, I think you're you're looking at things in a proper way, Rob. I mean, the um, I think what we kind of have to take a step back and realize too is that you know you've had double-digit gains what over the last three years, and so um, uh, the market's going to take time to consolidate you know big runs like that um, because we've been spoiled with such you know nice size gains in recent years. You know, you go up two, three percent, everyone thinks it's kind of a, a really bad year, <laughs> um, and that's before dividends. So, you know, it's not that we're having a yeah. bad year at all right now. We're kind of just having a, a period of consolidation here in sort of a, a touch-and-go phase. Uh, the market's sort of feeling out what its next move ultimately, you know, is going to be. And, um, you know, and it kind of seems to be revolving around, you know, uh, monetary policy, you know, here in the United States. You know, how it's almost behavioral. You know, it's, it's you know, how will the market react when – that tightening cycle arrives, um, and a lot of people are concerned that uh, you know the market may see it as you know the end of the bull run because it has been so strongly supported by interest rates at the zero bound for you know the last six years. And um, you know you take away something that's been so good for so long, there's going to be a period of adjustment there as uh, as market participants you know, adjust to this new reality of the Fed coming off the zero bound and what it could ultimately portend for, you know, uh, economic activity and stock valuations and the like. And so you're just seeing this churning going on. But to your broader point, it does become a period to kind of reassess, you know, your portfolios and take a step back and see, you know, were you underexposed? Were you overexposed? Uh, Will you be able to handle, you know, a, a shock to the market? And conversely, will you be in the right position to capitalize on, you know, improving returns uh, regardless of where they where they come from. And and that seems to be the sense that I'm getting about, you know, what's going on in the market right now is everyone's just kind of turning over some ideas, but there's no real strong conviction at this point because you have this, you know, this elephant in the room uh, that hasn't been addressed, and that's the, the Fed tightening cycle. It seems like we'll get there. Um, I, I want to different, take, go a different direction here because with you and both – with both you and Dr. Jeff Rose, and I try to almost become sensational and go like, what's the worst case scenario? And I can't seem to get Dr. Jeff Rose and economistbriefing.com to give me a worst case scenario because he's like, yeah, it's, it's okay out there. It's not great. It's okay. Um, but like there's a headline that I saw today. Millennials have stopped having babies during the recession, and they haven't started having babies since. And I look at Kate and Will, the uh, royal couple having kids, but people their age aren't having kids. Is that going to be something that strategically makes you shift and say, you know, okay, we're, we don't have people coming into the workforce in the future because things have changed a little. Can I get you to like panic on that, or you won't do it? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that's definitely a, a becomes a very big longer term issue. Um, you know, I I know what you were referencing. I, I saw that same article this morning on uh, CNBC.com and. Coincidentally, one of the headlines early this morning that appeared right below that was, how do millennials, how can they ease their financial anxieties? I didn't read that article, but it, it dawned on me, well, one way they can ease them is by not having children, right? So okay. um, it's not cheap having kids. And I, I speak from experience. I have four of them my, myself. So, 
but nonetheless, it, it becomes a very big, uh, you know, structural issue. Uh, you know, these millennials uh, are about ready to replace the baby boomers as the most populous generation, and and basically, if you're not uh, creating enough future workers, if you will, uh, the ability to make good on you know Social Security payments and Medicare for all of these generations coming ahead of you becomes really problematic. And uh, you know, one way to address those things are probably through higher taxes, and ultimately, that translates into a lower you know standard of living for a lot of people. Um, I'm a Gen Xer. Uh, and, you know, I might face that myself when I get to my retirement age uh, because I'm told right now that the Social Security Trust Fund is not going to be able to pay out, you know, 100% of my benefits at the going rate here, um, you know, by the time I turn, you know, 62. And that problem is only going to get worse, you know, demographically speaking, if younger generations are not having, you know, more children. Interesting. I didn't expect you to say that uh, as far as things may not work out for you. Cause I think things are going to work out for you. I think you're I sure a pretty smart so. guy who's, who's over saving. You're saving 20% probably 15, 20%, right? I'm, I'm doing my best doing what I can save. <laughs> okay. Anything in earnings season stand out for you? Um, yeah. You know, the one thing that has really st- stood out is not what's good. It's what's bad. And that's basically the revenue uh, out of these S&P 500 companies. It's been quite disappointing. More than half of the companies that have reported uh, have come in below expectations, but you're seeing a lot of year-over-year declines in revenue, which um, have been masked uh, in some ways by the fact that companies continue to beat on the bottom line by, you know, through sheer buybacks and cost-cutting again. But, you know, it does bother me that, uh, you know, you're not seeing a lot of you know, uh, strong demand there on the, you know, reflected in the top line. And, um, you know, the comparisons are, are, uh, you know, not going to, you know, they're challenging basically. And, um, you know, foreign exchanges had a, had a role in that, but even when you kind of exclude that, you're not hearing a whole lot of uh, continuity in terms of really strong demand out there. It seems to be, you know, pretty company specific. Whenever I hear Apple's conference call when they report earnings, I'm always paying attention to what analysts have to say. I refer to it as Game of Phones, which is a play on Game of Thrones. Uh Um, How impressed are you with the sheer size of Apple? Is it a problem for you, or is it a a giant that just moves slowly and, and plods along and takes all the profits? Well, you know, I'd love to see it just because it's, you know, it's a great success story for an American company. Um, you know, the issue from an analytical standpoint, I think, is that you ultimately run into the law of large numbers. Um, you know, what's remarkable is, you know, Apple's, uh, you know, generating, you know, over, what, probably close to $300 billion in revenue, but uh, that doesn't even come close to what Walmart generates on an annual basis. Um, but, Apple is a cash flow generating machine, and, and even though it might run into law, the law of large numbers where its year-over-year growth rates might start to slow here and not look all that impressive relative to what they've been in recent years, it has a tremendous ability to return capital to shareholders, and um, that will be an ultimately you know, one of the, the, the staying influences for the stock, I think. But uh, it's hidden on all cylinders, and you can't help but be impressed by what they're doing. Um, but investors do need to take account for the fact that, you know, comparisons are not easy for Apple, um, and there's a lot of high expectations built up in the stock, and that could be penalizing, you know, in the near term or, you know, a year or so from now, 
when people realize those growth rates aren't quite as strong. But but still, Apple is going to continue to to turn back money to to its shareholders, which is uh, you know which is not a bad thing. I love your work. Thank you so much. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com, Chief Market Strategist. Um, I start my day every day with his page one where he's just kind of going, okay, here's the report card from yesterday. Here's what we're looking at today. Great stuff for investors. I'm Rob Black. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.